0: Okay now we're recording We're
1: recording now okay I was starting to get a little uh, A little anxious I was like uh, Mark Wahlberg In Boogie Nights where he's like You know I'm ready now It's my hot takes And I'm ready now Well hopefully this
2: episode will end as Well as that one With a big Long, flaccid, prosthetic penis.
1: <laughs> that's right. I mean, that's what we're all about here. Stay tuned to the end. Yeah, you're going to want to stay to the end. I, uh, you know, just splashed a little water on my face, and I'm ready to ready to jump into shit. I got an hour's overtime today, which was nice before I came nice. down. This job sucks shit, man. I fucking hate it. You want to talk a little bit about it? Your uh your, the, your travails. I'm ready to to unload a little bit. I've got a lot of psychic baggage from this job, man.
2: Well let's uh help you with your psychic
1: baggage. Please. We'll
2: pick it up. We'll bring it upstairs to your room for you. Thank you. And if you want to give us a little tip afterwards, that'd be nice.
1: Can you do like a therapist voice? Do you have one?
2: Alright. What's been going on, Sean?
1: Well, you know, it's it, it's it's really hard to talk about, but uh This, uh, yeah, this fucking job, You want a tissue? No, I don't need a tissue. Thank you very much. want to lay on the couch? I would love to lay on a couch. That sounds... Because I have physical baggage, too. Just make yourself comfortable. All right, I'm comfortable. I'm calm. I'm relaxed. I got my hours overtime today. It was rough, man. I had a few close calls today at work. This particular job is full of close calls. It's a... uh, It's like not the smallest job site in the world. It's like a half a city block... It's at a public hospital uptown. Um, but the problem is is that there's all these different operations happening at once. So there's a bunch of drill rigs on the job. You know all about drill rigs, right? Deep foundation stuff, Andy? Nope. You know that they shoot the water down into the drill so that, you know, and then there's return so there's water all over the place. Like if you've ever seen like oil drilling, you know, it's like a very wet process.
2: Is that the video that guys like Matt Walsh always post? Yeah. Like this is
1: you think a woman could do
2: this job? That's
1: like literally what it looks like. That's But it's not
2: that's not exactly what it is.
1: No, that fucking jerk off on that video who was wearing like a gold chain and like and no shirt and doing it all fast and whatever, he was showing off for the camera. You don't actually work like that. Okay. That's fucking stupid.
2: But that is that is the job you're talking about?
1: Uh yeah, more or less. Like so there's There was, up until recently, four drill rigs on the job, and each one brings dampness, wetness, because there's a whole water aspect to it. And so they're all over the job doing the deep foundation work, but we're there trying to do the pile caps, right? So we're getting into holes, and we're, like, putting up concrete forms— Uh, But the water is here and we're there and we have to get across where the fucking water is. So it's just this like muddy. It's like the trenches of Verdun or something like that on the job. It's just like literally knee deep to waist deep mud all over the place. And a lot of up and down and a lot of like hauling heavy shit through mud. It's it's absolutely fucking miserable, man. Today, I uh, I got hit in the head by an excavating machine by an excavator. That was not fun.
2: Uh, are you okay? It sounds like that would hurt or kill you.
1: It was just a little love tap, thankfully. But before that, right before... That was before, like a prank? No, it wasn't a prank. <laughs> it, was like, it was Hey, just Sean, there. behind you. No, they were doing concrete, so there's like, uh, you know, they, they put the concrete in the bucket and the excavators fly it over um, to fill up the form, and I happened to be having to be working right next to this fucking thing, so it turned... And my hard hat bumped against it. You don't want to be anywhere near the ass end of a Caterpillar 374 excavator. It's a giant fucking machine. And at another point, I had the chainsaw going, right? So I've got my chaps on. I'm already cutting big, giant 3x10s, you know, giant planks, 16 feet long. Under the best conditions, they weigh 150 pounds. you got to haul these things all over the fucking job site. In the wintertime, though, they freeze. So they weigh like 200 pounds. And so I'm cutting through a big giant stack of them, chainsaw going, full fucking bore. And the excavator behind me, I'm not paying attention because that's a whole other different operation, crawls past me, like right behind me, and there was a whole bunch of scrap wood that I was actually standing on while I cut this thing. And as the track from the excavator went over it, it lifted me up off the ground on this wood as I had the chainsaw running at, like, full speed. It was scary, man. It was a rough day at the office, I got to say. Um,
2: you know, I, these stories make me feel mixed uh, emotions um, or, like, mixed uh, thoughts. The, the first is I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, I know what a chainsaw is, an excavator and, yeah. but, and a drill, but, like, I don't understand how they how, operate.
1: Yeah, like, operate or, and, I,
2: where they, and, you know, at this point in my life, I probably never will. You don't. Yeah, you probably don't have to. So I, I think as a result of feeling that way, I also had a little fantasy that you're like one of those guys who just lies about having a job, and you're oh, like, yeah. "See you later, honey," and you, <laughs> you go to uh, like sit in the park all day. And, oh, that'd be. So and at some point, great. like I'm gonna follow you around and yeah, and like you know at a distance, and you're gonna snoop at, you're gonna wear snoop in and-
1: costume and see that you're not actually a worker. I wish that was the case. <laughs> you know, the 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 aristocracy of labor. It's not all glitz and glamour, folks. You know, to have that. That hashtag as a worker, you know, it seems like it's all fun and games, but it actually, it's fucking rough out there. And this job in particular is really rough. Yeah. I cannot wait till it's over. They were going to add, um, they were going to open up overtime big because the uh, the drill rigs are finally leaving. Instead, thank God, because I was going to end up working like 612s or something like that, so, you know, 12 hours a day, six days a week. But instead they opened up a night shift, And today they told me I'm going to be on the brand new night shift. So instead of leaving the house at 5.30 in the morning, I get to work from 3 p.m., work through lunch, and get off at 10 p.m. How nice is that? Is that good? That's great. Yeah, I think I'd rather do that. But my my problem with those shifts, and
2: I did a lot of that in food service, was... You'd wake up, you'd be like, oh, great, I have my whole half day open. Mm-hmm. But you just can't do anything until work because you're just, like, waiting for work to start. Yeah,
1: I know. I mean, I've been, you know, I get. I typically get up really early. Tonight, I'm going to have to stay up. That's why I'm drinking coffee, not just for podcasting. But I'm going to have to stay up till like, ooh, 11 o'clock tonight so that I'm not, like, falling asleep in my shift tomorrow. I have very high hopes for this second shift being on it. I hope I can get up nice and early. I can, like read my books in the morning, drink my coffee, relax, leave the house at like 1:30 in the afternoon and have a nice chill commute cuz it's not rush hour. But time will tell. By the time this episode comes out, I will know whether it's more or less miserable. I think it's going to be a little better. I okay. think it is. Yeah. Good yeah. Luck. And also too, all these crazy operations that I was talking about that are happening alongside what we're particularly doing won't be happening at night. So it should be safer and it should be more chill. So mm-hmm. That's a, It's a small victory. Yeah. I, uh, in a few weeks, I hope this job ends and I get laid off and I'm going to take a month off.
2: Yeah, I started another job recently um, just doing some other podcast editing stuff. And I'm, I'm now approaching the point where I have to have the opposite issue of you, which, where you're like, have this job all so you can have this Twitter name. That's funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, otherwise, you probably wouldn't be doing it. No. I'm, I, I still get pride out of, like, not working. So I yeah. tell people... I don't have a job, and then they're like, what do you do for money? I'm like, okay, well, I do sort of <laughs> have a job. It's just, you know, podcasting. Yeah. not much. But now I actually have a, a couple other gigs, and actually I'm working, like, a few hours a week yeah. uh, more. So um, I'm now a worker, unfortunately. You it are sucks. now a worker. Yeah. I'm
1: sorry. You were part of the ex-workers collective.
2: Maybe I can rebranded as, like, independent contracting.
1: Yeah. So that's not technically working. Yeah. And, like, a, as a pez, petty bourgeois or something right. like that. Yeah. Independent contractors, man. That was... No one call me a worker. Fuck you. <laughs> they really got everybody with the independent contractor shit, didn't they? There is, like, a bit of, a, of freedom in, like, not being tied down to an actual job. It's a freedom that, you know, in the proletarian trades, you know, mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I do what I do is because you're not tied to a particular company, you know, you're not tied to a particular job until the job's fucking over and when it's over it's not like oh here's like more paperwork to do. It's just done and either the company takes you to the next job or more likely they lay you off. I really like that. I feel like one of the things I liked least about having like full-time career jobs in the past was just Looking, staring down the barrel of like a 52 week year and thinking about how many of those weeks you're going to end up in the same fucking situation day in and day out. So, I know, I, in a certain sense, a journeyman is like an independent contractor. It's just I have a union contract.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the flip side of the precarity thing, right? right. It's like those ads about Uber and gig work. Like, you can make your own schedule, you know, you don't have to have a boss or whatever. There is something to that. Yeah. There is something that's attractive to workers, especially younger workers who uh, have never had, like, a 9-to-5 job and never really want to. Um, Which, fair enough, 9-to-5 jobs right. are
1: fucking terrible, man.
2: Um so, obviously, there there could be, like, a vision of work where you kind of just, like, clock in whenever you want for as many hours as you want and however, however much you need. You yeah. Know? But that's obviously not the reality of the precarious work. It's designed to squeeze more out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it puts you in a, a position where, like, all the sort of, like, reproductive stuff is on you. All of, like, the, say, the four savings that, like, Social Security or, like, a 401K or whatever – that's not on the company anymore to set that up. That's all on you. You Mm got to pay your own taxes, which is of course like a huge drain on people's psychic energy (laughs) and their time. So there's like, there's definitely a flip side to it, but it's interesting how, how, how people have become on the one hand, like less attached to particular jobs, but more attached to work in general, you know, like that Uh grind set thing.
2: Yeah. And you could do it without actually saying that you have a job, like you're, you
1: know, you're rising and grinding for your hobby or your ambition, you, yeah. your brands. Your brand. What is it like? They have those advertisements on the subway that are like, make your side hustle your main gig or right. something like that. This is like the dream. This so like is,
2: right now we could say like, oh, we're working for ourselves. Like we are, this is, yeah. but actually we're working for Patreon.
1: We are. And Twitter and like, and Twitter. you know, and social media, you know. And we're working for communism. <laughs> yeah. LLC <laughs> That would be nice
2: If if it like this be. Communist party Bought Patreon Yeah Hell yeah That'd be fucking They used to buy cool, real so. estate They should get into They still the have real estate Right they, they should still... cash in Some of that real estate For have some you, tech investments Some crypto
1: <laughs> Have you seen All the Stalin discourse Lately on Twitter Why is everybody Talking about Stalin All of a sudden I don't know Why Do you know why I, I don't. I, I can't imagine well, why we
2: got these pins in the mail. Maybe that has something to do with it. There's oh, we got you. Stalin
1: pins! Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a literal, a real CPUSA. Wow. Pin right here. Andy is just getting me all the cool Stalin sh- swag. You know who this guy is?
2: You might recognize him.
1: Uh, Barack Obama. Wow. <laughs> I'm gonna put my Stalin next that's to that's my Barack Obama. Malcolm X. Oh yeah. I, I think I didn't take a close look. No, no. Yeah, yeah. You're right. That's Malcolm X.
2: But if these are from the Communist Party USA, which it, they appear to be, because look at the logo on this guitar and sickle and hammer. Ooh, Communist uh, Party USA. Good job making pins. Good job helping to unionize Amazon, Staten Islands. Yeah. Uh, bad job not making the pins enamel, <laughs> and I could say bad job about something else too. But they've, we'll, they've,
1: that'll come out. They've later. still got a lot of work to do. I think right. like the, the 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 thing the the big Stalin debate, right? Because it's also like academic nowadays it seems to me cuz what are the actual stakes of debating the legacy of stalin i mean if you're i guess if you're a communist or you're on the left you want to like analyze that period of time understand him as a historical figure or whatever but there's like literally no continuity anymore you know i think what the cpusa is trying to do and you know maybe it, it's going to work is try to like um claim itself as the continuity party of that particular you know, seven decade experiment of the, of the Soviet union. Um, but beyond that, man, is it, it people are, people think that if you can rehabilitate Stalin, that like everyone's, but gonna why start would the communist party again, USA, why would they want to rehabilitate Stalin? I think, are, I don't know. I, They're going against the official Khrushchevite line. Oh yeah. Well what happened to their line when the USSR fell apart? Did they continue on the Khrushchevite line or
2: Yeah, I'm also not sure if like all the official communist parties have the the same sort of like nationalistic anti Semitic conservatism of the <laughs> Russian Communist Party. Mm. Um it doesn't seem like they do, but I'm I'm wondering how much like discipline still exists in that what remains of the Third International?
1: I mean, they still call themselves a uh, Marxist-Leninist party. There's right. like the, you know, the the funny thing that people always throw out, which is that they're just there to tell you to vote for Biden or Clinton every four years or so. Or Putin. Mm-hmm. Or Putin. Vote for Putin. <laughs> um, we should maybe have a CPUSA member on. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. You know, have them give their, state their case for why we still need a singular like the communist party in the United States. Um well, this reminds me of a story that I
2: saw. Uh have posted this. It's an op-ed in Archinect Ar- Archinect
1: Archinect. Okay. I guess it's
2: like a blog or like a sort of professional networking site for architects.
1: Oh cool. Okay.
2: And it's an editorial by a professor named Peter Anker. Mm. And it's called, The Cooper Union Promotes Russian Architecture. Why? So I'll read a little bit of it and then jump to the, uh, there's like a nice twist ending here. Okay, please. This month, the School of Architecture at the Cooper Union in New York City was scheduled to open an extensive exhibition on Russian architecture, Victumas, Laboratory of the Avant-Garde, 1920 to 1930. Mm. It's the title of the show presenting what is loosely known as Soviet Bauhaus. Mm. Sounds interesting to me. I'd love to see that. Yeah, Um, me too. Undoubtedly, it's an essential part of the Russian architectural legacy worthy of attention. But not now. Not now. I would have been first in line 10 years ago <laughs> to see the exhibit, but not today. Oh. To support Russian architecture now is simply tone deaf. Oh. I believe the Cooper Union should terminate the exhibition and put a pause on its course on Soviet and Russian architecture. Oh canceling it. Damn, cancel it. And so the then, course. yeah, he goes through why and uh, the, you know... I'm, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's not uh it's not the most coherent argument. Um, and I, his proposition is basically like instead of having this show, there should be a show about like how to rebuild Ukraine after the destruction of Russia. Mm. So I mean this person's clearly like very, very upset and hurt by the war on Ukraine, which makes sense. Yeah. You know, people living there right now are going through hell.
1: Um, does but, he know though that this is really you know 1920 to 1930? It's not even fair to right. call it Russian; it's Soviet at that point. Well, it's he argues it's um, right. Entity.
2: He he does. I think he does know that, but uh, there's a lot of slippage these
1: days. I mean, it's possible he misread
2: 1920 as 2020, and he's like, "What? You're doing this now?" <laughs> but no, he he says that um, this sort of uh, this sort of show projects Rus- Russian soft power mm. by um, you know, normalizing Russia as a country that's you know ever been good or powerful, oh, I guess.
1: The problem is though, <laughs> and this is a real problem that people are having a hard time getting their heads around, is that Russia is normal, right? <laughs> like right. it's actually kind of a normal place. No, everyone there's
2: a psycho. You know, oh, all right? Yeah. yeah, they
1: just. The, that poetry just
2: makes them uh, naturally fascist. <laughs> the, but The anti-Russianism out there is crazy. Right. So but. You, but you might think there's no connection, but yeah, wait until you get to the last paragraph of this. I'm uh, going to look at my Stalin pin. This feature this. in huh. Please make no mistake about it. My letter is not meant to be offensive towards the Cooper Union. On the contrary, it is an institution I highly respect and that elevates close friends and colleagues, including Anna Bokov the assistant adjunct professor at Cooper Union, behind the exhibit. Yet, I can't get my head around how this could happen. We all can make mistakes, and when we do, we need to acknowledge them and rectify them as best as we can. So, abandon the... and the ill-timed Victimos exhibition along with related courses <laughs> and then reach out to your neighbors in the Ukrainian village and ask them how you can help imagine a future for their war-torn nation. So that sounds like a nice ending where yeah. he's saying, like, look, I respect my friends and colleagues, sure. including a woman named Anna Bokov, who I I'm checked. mentioning for no reason. Yeah, I would have um, checked this exhibit out before you know, February of last year. And you made a mistake. Uh, yeah. We all make mistakes. Here's the editor's note at mm-hmm. the end. Mm -mm. An earlier version of this op-ed... included claims that the curator of this exhibition, Anna Bokoff, is an associate with Vladimir Putin. Oh my god. Bokoff has stated this he is false. He Putin
1: jacketed her.
2: Bokoff has stated this is false and defamatory so we have, we have removed those comments from the op-ed. Oh, it was man. also not disclosed prior to publication that the author knows the curator personally which could have led to an intentional or unintentional bias.
1: Oh shit, man. He Putin jacketed her.
2: And then Damn. he, you know, he's, he's able to edit it to say like, Anna Bokoff Is my friend. She's very good. Everyone makes mistakes, including me, you know? But he doesn't go back and rethink his unhinged essay anyway he's yeah. just he's he thinks he's doing his part by uh trying to remove russian history temporarily from right, the yeah. world
1: and and what did he say in exchange like instead of this exhibition people were going to come together and think about how to rebuild yeah or like you tornado. could
2: do an architectural exhibit about like what ukraine could look like after the war oh, so okay, like as yeah. if that has any use
1: yeah <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say this this all just seems very again like academic like um Let's get together in a room and, like, feel like we're contributing something in the right. midst of this horrific war. You mentioned before uh, an
2: excavator. Yeah, sure. And, um of course, if you were to drive that excavator into the Wilani Forest, you uh-huh. would not get very far.
1: You wouldn't, no, because there's defenders there, right? Right.
2: Yeah. So, um it's really good that a lot of other podcasts are talking about this. You because, said Truanon so, did something? Yeah, Truanon and Poddam America good. and Hassan talked about it and... um so yeah, I'm glad the story is getting out, but unfortunately, what led to you're talking it getting, about defend the forest? Yeah, you're talking about yeah. defend the forest in Atlanta is unfortunately what led to a lot of people finally talking about it. Is that uh, one of the forest defenders was killed by the police uh, Tortuguita. Um, this was a person who moved to the forest to defend it and was living in a treehouse. They've been there for months, and police story is that they uh, and this was like the Georgia Highway Patrol or something. Mm-hmm. Like, apparently, it's one of it's. One of the many police forces decided, like, fuck this, uh, we're going to cowboy this shit. Like, oh, Just went in, and uh, their, their goal was to clear out all the treehouses, which they did, although it took them all day, but almost immediately when the raid started, uh, they claim, well, first they claimed that someone was just, like, sniping at them, like, opening fire on them, and then they claimed that they had, like, verbal confrontation, mm. and they pulled out their gun and started firing it and hit one cop and then uh, apparently, twelve cops opened fire on them. And was a cop actually injured? By yeah, gun a cop fire? was okay. shot. Yeah. Um, and they claim uh, so. They found a gun that they claim was registered to Tortugita, which is totally uh, believable. Although some people claim that, like, they can easily just have a drop gun and make the registration later. Yeah. Um, it seems like a but you know, in Georgia, you can carry a gun, so yeah. it's believable that that they had one. It's much less believable to me, though. Like knowing just a little bit about who the forest defenders are and like how they think and what has actually said previously to the to media is that nobody would do this. It no one like would a, open fire yeah, on cops. It like wasn't that. an
1: armed defense of the forest. There weren't like militias there. Like no, I not not that I pigs, know of. It's but, yeah. it's
2: possible that people had arms there. It's yeah. you know it's your right. It's, it's American, America, but yeah. Yeah. I'm not a. I think it would. I don't think anyone would think that was a good idea and um, certainly no one's trying to open fire on cops because that that would just obviously get more people like you and other people killed if you do that so I don't think that would happen I think the cops are lying I think it was probably friendly fire that got Um, the one cop right and they just but regardless of what happened cop city is still something that people are fighting that people in Atlanta are fighting people around the country are fighting and you think that that fight is Justified of saving this huge forest in Atlanta and stopping it from being turned into a massive fake city. Like counterinsurgency
1: right. playhouse for cops. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That will train not only Georgia cops, but Mostly, like forty percent of who they're planning to train there is cops from around the country. Jeez, um, if you, if you think that a forest is better than that, mm-hmm. or you know, there's also a anti racist angle, which is that this Hollywood studio and the you know kind of business this thing will attract will gentrify and greatly harm the neighborhoods around, which are mostly black neighborhoods. Hold
1: on. They're putting a Hollywood studio inside Cop City? (laughs) No, it's next to Cop City. Oh, next to Cop It's part of, like, a larger development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so if you think... It's like a uh, carrot and the stick. Like, you get, like, a counterinsurgency playhouse for the pigs to, like, practice how to shoot and kill you. But you also get movie studios, which will bring coffee shops, which will bring record stores. It's kind
2: of like, yeah, right and left wing of capital thing. Yeah. um, Where, you know... and, And, like, it's important to know the government of... Uh, Atlanta, Georgia is liberal. It's, it's you know? very Democrat, right? Right, it's like a super blue sti- uh, um, city. The whole like a uh, reaction to people calling for, to defund the police, which the, the uprising was huge in Atlanta. Um, so it, it was even though it was incredibly popular, there's a huge reaction to it. Led to more police funding, and also it becoming politically toxic within the Democratic Party mm. to question Cop City. Mm. But nonetheless, the people of Atlanta don't want Cop City. like um, no, maybe imagine. some do, but yeah. And I think in general, if you pose this question to almost anybody, like, would you rather have a forest there, or would you rather have a fake city for uh, SWAT cops and riot cops to train in? Yeah, I don't. I think you really have a hard time finding someone who says, you know, build Cop City. So it's a project that's, like, really, especially after all the violence has happened, it's probably on the verge of collapsing. Like, I think the contractors are getting cold feet. Mm. And this is where you come in. If you want to help stop Cop City, if you want to honor the memory of Tortuguita, you can look up the funders of Cop City. Um, I'll put some some links in the show notes. And there have been uh, nonviolent direct actions all over the country. Like, I think in New York, there was, like, a camp out in, like, lobby... Of uh, one of the banks Maybe Bank of Mm, America That that helps fund it And so you know You don't have to people shouldn't be, like, super afraid by, like, how hot the struggle is there. It's a struggle for, you know, DSA is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, like, community activists are involved. Environmentalists. Just, you know, weirdos who are really into, like, looking at all the different kinds of uh, strange funguses in the forest mm, are, sure. involved, you know? are involved. Mycologists are involved. Yeah,
1: I shouldn't call mycologists weirdos, but... Uh, uh, I mean, you know, if the shoe fits. Sorry to all you mycologists out there. Okay, the weirdos
2: that are involved are the urban explorers, because oh. another part of the history of the Wulani forest is that that it was a prison farm. So originally oh. it was indigenous land from the Muskogee people. Uh-huh. They had it stolen from them in uh-huh. the early 1800s. It was turned into a plantation. So there was Damn. slaves on that land after the Indians were kicked out. Bad juju on that land. Man. And then after that, it was a prison farm. So oh, wow. you know, after emancipation becomes a prison, the prisoners there are almost entirely so black. So just
1: every single sin of like, um, like structural right. exactly. sin of America. Just but then something reproduced. good happens.
2: Yeah. The prison closes. The prison closed didn't mean there
1: wasn't another prison to move to. No, it just, it was an old facility. It shut down. It's good
2: the prison closed. And then since then, I think it was about 60 years ago, it closed, or 70 years ago, forest has grown back there. So this is a new forest but it's very lush and beautiful. It's a public park, so people enjoy hiking through there and like looking at birds and all this stuff. And it's an important part of what makes Atlanta livable—to just mm. have a lot of trees, just for the air quality. Totally. Uh, let alone for recreation. Yeah, it's a big city. Pre- preventing more floods in the neighborhoods around there. You know, uh, it's like uh, it's apparently those neighborhoods already flood pretty badly. Mm. You know, seeing that things can grow back—that like, you know, even out of this evil soil, something yeah. as nice and as useful and as crucial to our existence as a forest can grow back so quickly, it just reminds you of how quickly things can change. Yeah. And as bad as the world is now, um, you know those things can end and go to a different purpose, and in a few years we'll think like, why the fuck were we even thinking about building a cop city? Yeah. Isn't it great that people got together and fought it and stopped it? That that was like a turning point where people said enough is enough. We don't need this. What we need is forests. Yeah. You know, that's just one land struggle around the world where people are doing things like this. I mean, it's always been going on. Yeah. But yeah. if Standing people can Rock, get too. more inspired by things like Standing Rock, by things like that uh, that town in Germany they're trying to destroy for mining. Right, yeah. Uh, all throughout Latin America, there's like a long history of these land occupations in Canada as well. Basically, uh, wherever you have indigenous people or older populations who feel really connected to their place there, you see these struggles. And I think this is a vision of the struggles of what has to happen in this transitional phase. Mm. Um, People need to to stop the deepening development of this world of police and prisons and war and tech and spectacle like Hollywood, you know, these things that everyone hates uh, we can actually stop them. And so, yeah, I'll put links in the show notes, um, read more about uh, defend, Uh, the Atlanta forest and how you can help stop it. And the, you know, one thing pretty much anyone can do is you can donate to the Atlanta solidarity funds. About 20 people have been arrested and charged with terrorism for being in protests. A a cop car was, was burned at one of the protests, Mm. but none of the people who were arrested are charged with burning the cop car. They're charged with terrorism for being near the burning cop car or in the same crowd. Um, And they're being held on. And those charges will, I don't think they're going to go very far, but uh, they're being held right now in, in jail on a $350,000 bond. Wow. So the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, they have a, like a pretty good fund, but they can't afford that for 20 prisoners. Yeah. They can afford bonds, but that's still very expensive bonds. Sure. Yeah. So please, if you feel like you can't fight yourself, if you feel like you're not an activist, you're not going to camp in a bank lobby or anything, you can try to raise some funds for the, for the people who can. It's really and there's po- nothing shameful about that
1: it's really positive you mentioned like uh, local democratic politicians in Atlanta and I think nationwide uh, if you know the insurrection of a couple what two and a half years ago uh, showed anything it's that there's no way to end like the blight of carceral violence in this country uh, through the political system at this point in time in fact you know the political forces of left and right uh, retrenched after that and famously joe biden said he's gonna give a bunch more money to cops and whatever so where is their continuity with what we saw two and a half years ago it's in stuff like this people have realized that like it's not enough to depend on somebody to represent your interest of defunding the police stopping police violence stopping the you know massive incarceral state that puts so many millions of people in prison or whatever that we're kind of on our own in this you know if you feel if you feel strongly about it You know, if you are one of these people in the forest or one of the people that supports them, we're the only ones out here that are doing that, you know, and and it's it's not going to come by electing better politicians. It's just it's hardening to me to see that uh, people are still fighting on that terrain.
2: Yeah. And obviously, in 2020, in the uprising, there was proof that there's just millions of people who are willing to get into the street and fight um, to some extent. And there's no reason to think that won't happen again, but how that sort of reaction and rollback happens is exactly what happened after Tortugitu was killed. There mm. was pro- a big protest, which included a smaller black block in Atlanta, and like cop car was burned, and like the windows of some uh, some business involved in Cop City were smashed. So, smash window, burnt cop car. you yeah. know, Classic. We-, we saw quite a, f- a lot of that two years ago. Yeah. Um, that's what's led to these terrorism charges and that feeds the right wing media uh, like cycle that there was like, you know, chaos and disorder in Atlanta and they're trying to burn the city down. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's ridiculous because the sca- the scale of it was so small compared to it 2020. It but was. it's it's all the right has, though, like yeah. Trump ended up recording a video about it. You know, it was like a big part of the right's. Uh, you know, media cycles, like r- remember there's still antifas out there. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Don't get second thoughts about like yeah. what the Republicans are, what we're doing for sure. You have to remember there's antifas and the Marxist prosecutors for yeah. something Trump said, Marxist the Mar- prosecutors, the Marxist prosecutors
1: cool. are letting them walk. I charge the bourgeoisie with exploitation.
2: But my point in saying this is like, no matter how critical You or we might be of anarchism or Antifa, direct action environmentalism. The point in framing this dynamic movement of really brave people who are doing it for a lot of reasons, mostly good and like whatever their reasons, they're right. Cop City shouldn't be built. That forest should stay there. We all know this. The best tactic against them is not arguing for Cop City. Their argument is, well, look at the people fighting them. They're Antifa freaks, and they're yeah. from out of town or they're something. they blue hairs. Yeah. Um, and, they they-thems. And I think that's what really helped roll back all the enthusiasm. And, you know, everyone who had this, like, deep anti-racist commitment during the uprising during BLM, that's what helped them move on from the, the, that, like, at least emotional commitment. Yeah. is saying, like, well, you know, defund the police and the left are crazy, and
1: um, nobody really likes that idea, so... And they and and you think that there's a possibility that Cops City will be shut down, that the contract. Oh yeah, definitely. Get, you think so? Wow. Yeah. Be I mean, a that project
2: victory. is. I think like Martin Martin Luther King's family or the family foundation put out a statement saying, um, "Yeah, don't build this here. Mm. You know, build it." somewhere
1: else, maybe. But Atlanta is trying to, like, the Atlanta Police Department is trying to take top billing from places like New York City, which, like, the NYPD loves to spread its tendrils not only, like, around the country, but to, like, Israel and to Europe, and they've got all these stations everywhere, and it's, like, this big powerful outfit atlanta is trying to take our crown right they're trying to take the nypd mantle we can't let them shut down cop city for new york city pride all right eric adams should get involved in this he should he should say that there's no way that these carpetbaggers down there in atlanta are going to be able to take the rightful place of the nypd as like the premier um person beating and shooting and carceral institution in this country
2: yeah another um Kind of funny thing about how that like right wing hysteria about the uh, the black bloc in Atlanta is that apparently the person taking those videos was a guy named Nathan Domingo. Do you remember him?
1: Oh, I've heard the name before. Yeah, who is that? He's
2: one of the Charlottesville organizers, oh, a neo Nazi. Wow. Yeah. Um, who claimed to quit the movement after Charlottesville. Mm. Um, but he's back at a anti-Antifa think tank called the William McKinley Institute, uh, taking videos of the black bloc and sending it to Andy No, Okay, sure. And so, um, yeah, these, I mean, these Nazis, it, it kind of feels like they went away because they're, they were so unpopular after Charlottesville that uh, it like, you know, when Kanye West comes and works with these guys. It just makes him more of a joke, like less serious to everybody. Um, But they're still around and they're still manufacturing, um, basically in a popular front with the normal Republicans, uh, you know, this counter propaganda.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, they're still out there. Um, You know, with with the opposition president in the White House, it's not quite as fun for them. They're not getting as many invitations to Washington, and they're not able to bend the ear of uh, President Trump's advisors. But maybe they'll have a better chance with President DeSantis in a couple of years, you know? Maybe President DeSantis will give a a fair hearing to the veterans of Charlottesville, perhaps. (laughs) We'll we'll see.
2: I don't know if he's going to go that far, but... Yeah, it's uh, I'm really disturbed by this uh, what he's doing at the the new school of Florida.
1: No, what? Have you what ever to? heard about? You know about the new school of Florida? Do they do they have an occupy?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> well, they probably did at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, um, a school in Sarasota that's known as like the left wing school mm. in Florida. They have like contract majors and uh, like a cool philosophy department, mm. and uh, it's traditionally very like left wing countercultural school. And DeSantis has removed the, the board of uh, trustees oh, and replaced it with like right wing psychos, including Chris Rufo. Oh,
1: Chris Rufo! Wow. And, and so now they're just they're planning to just fire all the teachers. They're like turning like the new school for social research into like the Claremont Institute because they have power over the school. They're able to just like flip a switch and get all the, yeah, exactly. the sort of lefties out of there. That's wild, man. Does down in Florida. I'm actually going to visit Florida in uh next month. It'll be interesting to see what that fair state, the third most populous state in this country, what what's going on down there. You know, this Doesn't seem good. It doesn't seem great. No. In fact, uh friend of the show uh Soyboy of the Deep. You uh-huh. know them from yeah. Twitter. Um also in uh, the building trades, is fleeing because the local library that their children go to, like all these books are being removed. And in the public schools, like literally, they're just getting rid of all the books just in case there's some bad ones in there. Teachers are being charged with felonies or will potentially be charged with felonies if any banned books end up in there. Incredible um, staying power to this sort of like uh, uh, Red Scare Version 4.0 or whatever it is that we're on right now. Yeah,
2: I mean it's hardly even red scare. It's just like progress, progressivism scare. It's yeah, like everything yeah. post
1: sixty eight scare. Yeah, it's like it's like new left scare when the new left is like less relevant right uh, by by the day. Um, this is really like this culture war shit is taking up so much space and it's becoming so hardened right now, and it's all and it's starting to actually bear fruit in places like Florida and elsewhere. Very scary and frightening times. I don't blame our friend. Uh, I won't name docs them. I won't. I don't blame him for wanting to leave uh, that situation. Certainly, if you're a trans person in Florida, oh, yeah. if you're, um, you know, in support, if you have had an abortion or you might end up having one, it's certainly a very scary time. Um, it's uh, it, it's frightening in this country right now.
2: Yep. See you all in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know another, another or Atlanta. Um, Another related story uh, is, of course, um, the murder of Tyree Nichols, that video coming
1: out and uh, the protests around the country this weekend. I saw Hassan's stream when it dropped, like they hyped the release of the video like it was like... You know, Sunday football. Yeah, it was just so creepy. It was like you get you know get prepared. You know, you'll pay for the whole seat. And then people talk about it like a horror movie. It's like, will I watch it? Won't I watch it? It was so frightening at like minute one point three four or something like that. It's like the whole spectacle of that was really bizarre and off putting.
2: I think what it is 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 the yeah the whole thing was orchestrated to try to make sure a new uprising wasn't kicked off and. Um, so part of it, obviously, is charging the cops and, like, disbanding the unit and all that stuff, uh, making it look like they're taking it really seriously. Mm-hmm. And then part of it is um, releasing it at a certain time as, like, the certain event. Um, so there's, like, a kind of discourse that's already built around it. Instead yeah. of the George Floyd video, which was more, like, something that leaked out and it, went viral.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're
2: trying to make sure this didn't this couldn't go viral because it was just they shoved were, out to the front
1: anyway. They were trying to diffuse it before it even drops. They're like this is going to be the most horrific thing you've ever seen and for what I saw it's really fucking horrific. Yeah. Um, and they're like, be prepared and don't do anything crazy. We're going to release it at six o'clock on a Friday night. You know, it,
2: it is horrific, but, um, it's also just very normal. Like that yeah. happens probably in every city in the country, yeah. at least, at least once a night every night. Yeah. Um, I mean, the person doesn't always die, but. The cops do kill three people every day.
1: Yeah, the victim was uh, apparently a very small person, uh, you know, very light and uh, not very athletic. So I think, you know, the kind of beating that he took from the pigs was maybe something that other people might have survived, but uh, this individual wasn't able to. But, yeah, I mean, we've all heard the stories of, like, ride-alongs or, Uh like, you know, the thing in Baltimore that happened where the cops would put you in the back of a van handcuffed with no seatbelt on, and they'd, like... You know, swerve around the road, and that one guy broke his neck. You know, right in right, Baltimore. In Baltimore, yeah. right, they murdered that one guy that way.
2: Um, so, how has you know we were talking about like how the right's trying to desperately spin um, the the cop city? What they're doing for this is saying, well, these were black cops, right, yeah. uh, with a black police chief. So, how can you say this is a problem of racism? And, oh, actually, look at all these people saying that it's a problem of racism. They're crazy. This is, like, the right wing's response is, like, these were bad cops Mm -hmm. who were also black, and they've been— Worse
1: because they were black. I'm sure that's what they're thinking to themselves, right?
2: I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's—I think if you look at all of the cops that have actually gotten charged and convicted, probably, like, cues pretty closely to, like, the ratio of, you know, black versus white people who get— Uh, convicted adjusting for the fact that cops almost never get convicted right right Uh, but you see what i'm saying i think there's also that kind of racism helps the narrative that like these were particularly bad cops yeah
1: of course this uh, whole unit was designed to do what these cops did to that kid yeah the scorpion unit you called it the fucking scorpion unit.
2: and and also apparently uh i I didn't really read into this too much but I, i saw some people saying that these were cops that probably wouldn't have been qualified to, to be cops, mm. um, but like uh, you know, things had to be relaxed in the last couple of years because so few people want to be cops. And that so many shortages, cops have quit. Yeah, the shortage everywhere. Yeah. So it was implied that maybe these were like uh, people that shouldn't have been hired. Mm. But again, like these are not new questions. This is this is like a, not a new situation that a group of cops of uh, various uh, backgrounds beats or shoots someone to death like mm-hmm. this has been happening for as long as the police have been mm-hmm. multicultural i read a book recently that i really recommend called james foreman junior's locking up their own have you read this book no no never heard of it so james foreman junior is the son of the you know one of the central figures of the sncc mm. um, and he became a defense attorney and was very horrified as a black defense attorney to hear judges constantly giving what he calls the Martin Luther King speech,
0: mm.
2: which is he would he would talk about like the vision of King and um, you know how we are creating a colorblind society, and then he would sentence a young black person to prison for the like highest possible sentence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this book is about how um, this you know, the uh, black freedom struggle, black liberation struggle got channeled in these ways um, towards mass incarceration, mm-hmm. mass policing. Um, and a part of that was this longstanding demand for black cops, mm-hmm. because it, in like the 60s and 70s, it was something that hadn't really been tried. Mm-hmm. So they thought like maybe if we get more black cops and commissioners, it, the cops will just be less racist and more sympathetic to black people. And it just hasn't worked. Mm -hmm. And we've known this since the 80s, -hmm. since the war on crime, and since the explosion of mass incarceration. And obviously anybody with a brain, when they say that the prison system is racist and the police are racist, they don't mean every single cop and CO is a Nazi. Right, yeah. like I I guess some people probably think that, but... That's the caricature. But... Increasingly, these are jobs for people of color. We're not saying that they were white supremacist cops. We're saying that everything that led to those two people meeting each other Mm, and mm. Tyree Nichols dying was a result of
1: white supremacy. And this entire, you know, uh, over century long apparatus of incarceration and violence and whatever doesn't come out of nowhere, right? It comes out of, like, the deep well of American racial animus and the necessity, especially after the Civil War, to, like, keep a restive population in its place, uh, and worse, honestly. Right. Especially in the South and then later on in the North uh, through the 20th century. So, yeah, this, this shouldn't come as a surprise. But, like, you, you talk about um, right-wing narrative, you know, these people are always going to have some way to inoculate people away from what they see with their own eyes. Right. Know, it's to,
2: it's always uh, so. Yeah. I mean, I think I think our audience knows everything that we're talking about. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting to think through it because there does have to be some sort of way of like keeping these questions in check. Mm-hmm. That like there needs to be like you know a lot of the right wing narratives are they're not uh, like a real argument or they're not anything anyone could seriously believe. It's just you have to say something. Like when someone brings it up, you can't just be like, uh, uh, "I don't know." You, yeah. you have to say something. So you'd be like, "Yeah, it's really horrible that those those black cops killed that man." Right. Like, right. This proves that white, like the question of white supremacy, isn't really a, a real question. Yeah. You, know, right. you gotta you gotta it's like a few bad apples. Right? So it's just I think it's important to, to um, see like what they're saying and what works and like. Kind of make sure we have our own way of thinking about it. Yeah. So, I'm,
1: because like leftists fall victim to these right wing narratives all the for, time. For sure. And then they, and then some people start to tail them and they think that that's a way to actually gain popularity right. or make your particular program or analysis like broad for the masses is to tail the right wing. Which yeah. Is just, a you got to remember mistake. what side you're on. So. Yeah. Like the context of what's happening with this release and what's happening with Cop City is that. You know, policing and incarceration, and uh, in this country, is this like giant apparatus? It's this ossified um, reality. You know, for all of us in this country, it's been built up for decades, and we've seen over the last two and a half years that this, alongside with mass shootings, alongside rising inequality, alongside rising debt all of these particular problems that face us as a society in America are simply not being solved like it's not that they're not being solved because the right people aren't in there they're not being solved because enough people aren't out in the streets marching or burning down police stations or flipping over cop cars or whatever all these things have been tried there it's it's actually not that we don't want to solve them It's that we can't solve them and so what's left you know after two and a half years after like a giant uprising that happens Uh, Two and a half years after this was like the biggest story and two and a half years after hundreds of millions of people became aware of this in a way that they never have been before is that we're stuck in the same exact fucking spot as we were before then, because in America right now, so ossified and so like the politics is so decomposed and the particular interests that exist and police are one interest within the state are so powerful that you can't actually do anything to check the police's power. What can you do? You can try to stop them from expanding and building Cop City and knocking down the forest or whatever. But in terms of like the actual political situation in this country, all any of us can do, whether you're a fucking Matt Walsh, some right-wing fucking ghoul, or whether you're like AOC or whatever, all we can do is like tut-tut and say, oh, well, that's a shame, or say, oh, they deserved mm-hmm. it, because nothing is fundamentally changing, because they can't under these conditions. Right. As long as... We're at this in the situation we've been for years where the other shoe hasn't dropped yet, where like a crisis comes and faces the system, whether that's political or more likely economic, whatever, that the system can't actually um, engorge itself upon and actually use to spin out more narrative that can keep itself going for more time. Then you're simply we're all just spinning our fucking wheels. You know, where all of us are just taking moral stances on particular things that happen, show our outrage or even show our cynicism. Right. All we can really do is watch these things happen at this point in time. And I feel like the rise of the culture war, and this is an instance of it, um, is about is really about cope in all of our inability to actually create a society that functions where there aren't mass shootings like three in a fucking day Mm -hmm. in California, you know, where there aren't thousands upon thousands of police murders where there are millions and millions of people in prison, where there aren't good enough jobs. Some people work too much. Some people can't find a job at all. You know, even when they find a job, they can barely make their fucking way. They have no savings. They, you know, none of these things are solvable right now. So that's why it's turned into this echo chamber of like these two solidified cultural paradigms that just have to bounce off one another. And you either, get into that echo chamber yourself and shout and try to like make one side louder than the other. Or you step back and you do what the forest offenders are doing, or you do what we do on the show here, or you do what people hopefully are doing at home, which is step back and say like, well, what's the actual context of uh-huh. this? What is the actual sickness of this society? Yeah, that's a great How point. Did, you know, but be- I think
2: part of that stepping back is recognizing that we already live in the world, um, That the left wing of capital can provide the best, the best of all possible. Yeah, the Democrats have been in
1: power, especially in the cities for a very long time. And and if you live in an exurban or a suburban or a rural area, you're seeing the best that the right wing of capital can ever provide. Right, uh, yeah. your ability to create. Yeah, a small if you live in Arkansas, business, you know, is this is this the this vision is, of America you want? This is the best that right liberalism can offer. You know, your small business that you started because this is the dream that you've always been told is possible, and that you're good enough to fit into this and be able to like forge your way forward like a settler or a pioneer and become a job creator and be part of, you know, the the true America, the real America. How's that working out for right. you? What has the right wing of it's the possible? It's funny that that's also how like
2: Portland and Williamsburg were branded sure. 20 years ago. It's like, yeah, yeah can, like all the old timey stuff with the guy on the big bicycle and yeah. the <laughs> curly mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also had that sort of ironic version of the American yeah. frontier ethos or aesthetic
1: yeah i mean we're constantly like pioneering in this country we're constantly like settling uh up and down and across but like yeah i think on the left and the right you're seeing the best that like liberal democratic liberal democratic capitalism can provide right and it's simply not enough are we going to get more liberal in this country you know are we going to get more social programs are we going to get medicare for all the answers no are we going to see a Federal state apparatus continue to be like chewed at and gnawed at from the inside by the right wing? Are they going to try to? mold the federal government more into a weapon in order to try to like reinstantiate this American yeoman dream from the eighteenth and nineteenth century. They're gonna try. We're gonna live through that. Is it gonna work? It's not gonna work. It's not working for the fucking fascists in Italy. No, the only it's solution the only anybody. solution is cops and movies. Cops and movies. Yeah. A film studio next to a carceral playground where cops can train counterinsurgency for the day when something actually finally does change and mm-hmm. people actually do pose a threat again to this ossified, shitty fucking system. Yep. And they're and prepared. They're getting prepared. They've been prepared. And so, all you
2: can do is just hope your errand doesn't cut out so you can keep watching Netflix while your city floods. Right. Yeah, that's um right. But that's not how it has to be. People can take control of the cities, but the only way to do that is to fight, and unfortunately, the police are showing us that when you fight, what they're going to try to do is they're going to kill some of you, and they're going to put you in, in prison as terrorists, but we have to resist that, because the only way forward, it's not a moral question, people have to resist, people yeah. have to fight, and they will, and you will, you might not have to do it now, but one day, you, you will, yeah. and so we got to support the people that are doing it now, um, and we have to become Ewoks. We have to At become some Ewoks in you're the You're either going to yeah. become an Ewok in 2023 or in 2026. <laughs> Your choice. You can go half Ewok now. Yeah. And then you're got you got some skills yeah. for uh you know when the empire actually comes.
1: I like it, man. Ewok power. All right, that's good. Good episode.
2: Thanks for listening everybody. Uh, definitely check the show notes for everything about supporting the Atlanta Solidarity Fund and then also if you can spare a little bit more after that patreon.com slash the antifada you can subscribe for $5 a month you can subscribe for the whole year for a discount and if you do send me a message and I'll send you a little
1: letter in the mail in March and uh, subscribe now before Andy has to take another part time job
0: (laughs) just be at peace with the money the time shift, I memorize Cadillac days, my mind shift to switch phase, recollect back to time timeless, reminisce all of the places I've been, never been a flesh but the soul inside it, go with the love and a peace and vibe is. my 80 home, home, 285 is, place I belong and I pray in my tribe is, think it's to be wrong, it's okay, I'm vibing, only revenge is to keep surviving, and thriving, with a heart open wide, it's a breed with a close to north like now did, a grown ass man is childish, play smash bros, even though I'm about to have me a child shit, guess life is just wilding, life is improving, like I like idea The ease just too temptations The hips just too faces And I won't waste God's creations I know places, faces and races On my plate, the same tastes I make shit, the time shift to make time I make shit, I take shit And make mine Mine's a goal for mine's and yours It's time I'm sure I'm primed To show it won't be like Times before I'm diving low to deep Ocean flow to climb the mountain peaks Time I told to find the flow to speak If you reach the end of road, and leap If you reach the end of road, then leap